Welcome to Season 4 of the Basics of Live Conversations. He sends the 12 out and he tells them, hey, I want you to go out and I want you to preach the gospel. I want you to heal the sick. I want you to, uh, you know, do all the, all the stuff. And, and you imagine the disciples, they're coming, they're following Jesus. And every day they're like, hey, where are we going today? What are we going to do today? And suddenly he throws a twist. Hey, I want you guys to go do this. And uh, he's preparing them because he knows he's not going to be with them much longer. And it's time for them to start doing the work. And so they go out and they rejoice, you know, and they come back all excited that, uh, you know, they preach the gospel and people get saved and lives are transformed and they come back stoked. Today on the Basics of Life Conversations, my guest is Pastor Dave Menard, the pastor of the Mission Church in Carlsbad, California. And today we're going to be tackling in our hard sayings of Jesus, Luke chapter 9, verse 60. And so now here is my conversation with Pastor Dave Menard. Well, welcome to the program, Dave. Hey, thanks so much, Rob. Great to be with you today. Yeah, it's great to have you here. And in studio, a lot of our guests join us via Zoom. And so this is really fun to have you actually in the studio with us today. I know, you're so high tech over here. I come in and the place <laughs> is uh, just decked out and it's a really nice setup you have. Uh, we're getting there, it's fun. So we are in the midst of this series that we have called The Hard Sayings of Jesus, these passages where you just read it and kind of scratch your head. And we have one today that you're gonna be tackling here in Luke chapter nine. And uh, the, the saying that we're going to kind of zero in on is in verse 60. But let's look at the whole passage just to bring this all in context. So why don't you um, read for us beginning in verse 57 down to verse 62. And so if you're listening to this and you want to turn, it's Luke 9 verses 57 through 62. And Dave, why don't you go ahead and read that? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, that Jesus would throw in these zingers here and there. Yeah, totally. And uh, they really make you go, wow, what did he just say? And uh, really, uh, he was a master at it. And it causes us to open our ear and to really listen. And totally, we're prone to think we know things. And then when we hear something weird, we're like, wait, what was that? Yeah. And uh, he was good at that. So uh, Luke nine fifty seven. Yes. Uh, now it happened as they journey on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Then he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, here's the, the, the zinger, right? Yeah. Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. Another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are in my house. And Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Okay, so here we have this statement that Jesus makes with this one particular guy who wants to go and says, no, let me go bury my dad. And he's like, let the dead bury their own dead but you go preach the kingdom of God. And it just sounds like out of character, like for Jesus, right? It doesn't sound it like does. loving or anything, but let's look at all three of these. And why don't you just kind of set this scene for us, Dave? Yeah, well, I think to grasp what the deeper meaning and the, the, the real intent of what Jesus is telling us is we have to kind of figure out 
what is Jesus doing in yeah. his in his ministry here? And if we flip around in our Bibles, we see uh, Jesus is he's coming to the end of his life. These are uh, you know he's in the final days. He's headed towards the cross, and so he's real systematic in what he's doing. At the beginning of chapter nine, he sends the twelve out. And he tells them, hey, I want you to go out and I want you to preach the gospel. I want you to heal the sick. I want you to, uh, you know, do all the all this stuff. And, and you imagine the disciples, they're coming, they're following Jesus. And every day they're like, hey, where are we going today? What are we going to do today? And suddenly he throws a twist. Hey, I want you guys to go do this. Yeah. And uh, he's preparing them because he knows he's not going to be with them much yeah. longer. And it's time for them to start doing the work. And so they go out and they rejoice, you know, and they come back all excited that, uh, you know, they preach the gospel and people get saved and lives are transformed and they come back stoked. Um, and then we have the feeding of the 5,000. It gives us a scope of kind of the how Jesus's ministry is just increasing. I mean, he's popular. His fame is renowned. People know who he is. And and uh, a lot of people following. And I think that ties directly into where we're going in these questions of you know, what we're looking at today. Uh, then he takes the guys up and, and uh, takes Peter, James, and John up, and, and he has the transfiguration. And man, wouldn't you have loved to see um, that? Yeah, you know? amazing. Uh, Jesus there with Moses and Elijah and all of his radiant glory. Uh, who he really was was yeah. revealed at that time. You know, it's concealed all the other times, but who he really was yeah. was was revealed. There's God in the flesh uh, dwelling there. And I would probably be in that moment though, like Peter, because Peter gets overwhelmed and opens up his mouth and kind of says something stupid. You yeah, know? and that's what I often do. <laughs> yeah, just so in awe, just yeah. start talking without even. Knowing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Peter's comment was really stupid. Let's build a let's build a tabernacle, <laughs> modern day vernacular. Let's build a church for Moses. For you, Jesus, and Elijah. Yeah, that's a good theology. Let's have churches to Moses and Elijah. Yeah. And uh, I love the voice that booms from heaven. Uh, Peter, why yeah. don't you listen? Yeah. Uh, why don't you be quiet? Listen to him, right? This is, a, yeah. this is my beloved son. Hear him. So that's what's going on. And, and uh, then if, as we move on chapter 9 in Luke, uh, Jesus makes a clear statement. Uh, in verse 51, it says, It came to pass that the time had come for him to be received up. Uh, that means him going to the cross, dying, and be, you know, ascending into heaven. The time's come for him to be received up that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. So this marks really a paradigm shift in the Gospel of Luke. Same thing is seen in, in Matthew. And uh, Jesus now, his, his face is set towards the cross. And he starts teaching the disciples repeatedly, hey, let these, let these words sink into your head. I am going to the cross. I am going to die. And I'm going to resurrect on the third day. And he starts prophesying some real specific details, not general things, but real specific details of his uh, crucifixion and resurrection, that it's going to be betrayed by the priest and the scribes and the Romans are going to be involved. And, and you know, he's going to be resurrected on the third day and and he gives a, a lot of detail but yet they can't hear it right they've yeah. got and and we understand why i mean there's 5000 people <laughs> coming and just on a, a talk he's doing right? right and his momentum is building and and they're expecting him to set up his kingdom and so they've got this mindset that they 
even though he's telling them plainly, they can't really hear it. And Jesus' teaching is continuing to move on that direction. And so that's kind of the setting for where we're going. Um, uh, He's he's preparing them for, you know, uh, moving on after he's gone. Right. And uh, so that's what happens. This uh, uh, this guy comes and, and asks him. He says, "Hey, Lord!" Uh, again, he's just seen Jesus feed five thousand. Right. right? He's like on an emotional high. Yeah. And he's like, "This guy's amazing." And Matthew's gospel tells us he's a scribe, mm. so he's not just some you know common Joe. This is a religious leader who's well schooled and well trained and. But he's, you know, he's he's just seen Jesus do some some powerful things, and uh, Jesus tells him, "Hey, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, uh, but I've got no place to put my head at night." And uh, isn't that crazy, by the way? Yeah. That the Creator of the universe is homeless and has no doesn't know where he's going to be staying tonight. Yeah. And uh, he's clearly telling the scribe, like, "Hey, count the cost. You sure you want to follow me?" Uh, because following me is not the cush life. Yeah, a lot of people think following Jesus and all my problems go away, and I'm you know I'm going to be prosperous, and I'm going to be. And Jesus is clearly saying, "Hey, count the cost of following me, man." Um, you know, Jesus knowing the hearts of men. Uh, this is somewhat speculation, but uh, we know Jesus knows the heart of men, and here this guy is seeing the big crowds, and he already sees the religious fame that was known of the religious leaders in those days to which he is one of them yeah and he may be having wrong motives here and jesus says hey i just want you to know this is the real cost of following me it's high yeah it's high you got to deny yourself you got to it's there's a there's a price yeah he doesn't know um it's i I take this in a sense of jesus saying you know it's unpredictable that scribe's life was probably very predictable you know he would get up in the morning and you know his breakfast and then head to synagogue or to temple or whatever he was doing and kind of had his little routine and yeah. and I think Jesus is saying my life's not like that you know I don't I don't I'm just being led by the holy spirit and I don't have a house I don't have a you know like you're saying the cost here is is huge and then we come to this and next it's, guy. it's yeah. it's uncomfortable to the flesh it's uncomfortable to the flesh it's the flesh place. always wants its securities totally you know, we want that we want the big savings account and we want the big insurance policy and we want to know we're cut and that's not the walk of faith yeah the walk of faith is hey you walk with me today and, and you don't know what you're going to have yeah well i think in both of our lives i remember when when i uh responded to the call to ministry i was working in a grocery store where i had risen in in uh the ranks and um, was being considered for for management and and uh, and then I'm responding to this call, you know, to go serve at this church where I was going to make seven hundred dollars a month and my rent was four and a quarter, and uh, people, you know, were like asking, like, what on earth are you doing? And yeah. I know you you left a very successful business to become uh, a pastor and join the ministry. It was the same thing you're talking. You know, I, I uh, my wife and I owned a Yamaha dealership. Uh, we had the Yamaha and Sea-Doo franchise, and we had motorcycles, ATVs, and watercraft and all that. And the dealership was very successful. Yeah. And uh, Lisa and I were not Christians. We weren't saved. And I got saved during that time when we had the dealership. And uh, um, 
I knew the Lord was calling me to ministry. As crazy as it sounds, I knew right away the Lord was calling me to ministry. And uh, the first book of the Bible that I ever read was the book of Ecclesiastes. Really? Wow. And I thought, oh my gosh, uh, there's the there's the father that I never had. I mean, just so much Love wisdom that. guiding me, you know, like uh, vanity of vanity. It's all vanity. It's all foolishness, you know. And uh, so, yeah, I had the same thing. I, I, I uh, remember having a really successful month. We had just got our profit and loss statement. It was the 15th of the month. I remember the day because this statement came out on the 15th. And that day we had... Uh, a really banner day. I was leaving uh, the dealership late at night. We had just made a lot of money. And I remember locking up the door going, vanity of vanity, it's mm, all vanity. And wow. suddenly my paradigm had changed. My values had changed. And and uh, being the richest guy in the block wasn't the most important thing to me anymore. And I remember uttering a prayer just that night as I turned the key. I said, Lord, if you want me to sell this place, I'll sell it. And I'll wow. And uh, to my surprise, without me listing the business or anything, uh, just three months later, a guy comes knocking on my door and says, hey, I want to buy your dealership. That's amazing. And uh, to that end, I, uh, I worked for free at a church for the next 10 years uh, wow. on, on my own dime. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. So then we have the second guy, and it's interesting, in verse 59, this guy actually, he doesn't come to Jesus. Jesus comes to him and says, follow me. And then, um, but he says, the guy responds and says, but Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And this is the big statement that I think kind of twists everybody up. But Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. What's going on here? Is Jesus being insensitive and being harsh? What's happening, Dave? It sure sounds like it on the surface. <laughs> yeah. You know, you read it and you're like, what the heck? Yeah. Uh, you get this vision of a, a father in hospice and right. Jesus saying, no, you can't go see your father. You gotta follow me. Uh, and of course we know that's not the case at all, uh, you know, in that culture and in that day. And, and I think it's a great, a great cultural trait to still emulate today, to take care of your parents, you know. Mm -hmm. um, the, uh, the fifth commandment is honor your father and mother. Yes. And I think one of the ways we can do that is let's don't put mom and dad in a home, right? Let's take good care of them and make sure they're... And so that and that Jewish culture was, culture was, really, was really big. Uh, it was understood. And what he's saying is, hey, is my dad's getting aged and, and I, need to, I need to be the one who's taking care of my father. And um, Jesus says, hey, I'm calling you. Mm-hmm. Um, I am more than capable capable of taking care of your father. And there will be a time for that, but we can't let anything stand in the way of the call of God. Uh, here, this guy is, is being called by Jesus. And notice what he says. He says, uh, let the dead bury their own dead. Uh, well, obviously dead people can't bury dead people. So we have to understand what he's saying. He, let the spiritually dead, mm -hmm those who aren't part of the kingdom, those who aren't living for the kingdom, let them take care of this. And you go and preach the kingdom of God. There is a, a replacement giving there. I want you living to be a builder of the kingdom. Mm -hmm. I want you being a builder of people who are alive. I want right. you being a disciple maker. And, uh, you know, no greater joy than to embrace that calling. Yeah. And I think in this, Jesus is really challenging um, the idea of, one, how we can have a tendency to make excuses 
for um, not following him, not being surrendered to him. And we can also um, find ourselves in, in places where, um, you know, it's easy to get distracted. And like you said, here's a situation where it wasn't like the guy was on, his dad was on his deathbed, but it was more the cultural, um, you know, situation that he was dealing with. And I think the key in this is whatever Jesus is calling you to, if you're really going to be his disciple, you've got to be willing to respond yeah. to what he's calling you to. And, yeah. you know, I faced this in a sense when, when I was um, much younger and the Lord put it on my wife and in my heart that we were to move a thousand miles away up north and go and plant a church in a place that we had never been and you know one of the things it meant was I was gonna be leaving my mom and dad and uh, my dad and I and my mom too I mean we always close but my dad and I were really close I mean my dad was like my best friend and um, and that was probably the hardest thing about responding to that call was knowing that, you know, I'm going to be taking my grandkids, his grandkids, my kids and his grandkids and, uh, away and we're going to be moving. And my parents, you know, it wasn't like they were wealthy and they could just pop up there anytime that they wanted to, you know, type of a thing. But it was the call, you know, it was what God was calling me to. What's interesting is years later, um, when I'm now here at Calvary Vista and um, I got approached by an individual who, a pastor, who was really, really wanting me to um, come to his church and and succeed him, basically, in a sense. And, uh, and it was a much bigger church, and it was, a, a, you know, a church I admired. And, um, and so he, you know, threw this out to me, but it was at a time when, um, my dad's health wasn't doing, you know, real well. And, um, and as I thought about it and prayed about it, it was like the Lord was saying, no, as much as, I mean, I, I, let me just, preface in case anybody from our church would hear this i always feel like that we we need to always live with our bags packed we need to always be open to what's the next thing that the lord might have you know for us and uh so i always you know would do that when somebody would come and say hey would you think about this pray about that i'm i'm like yeah i'll pray about it and in this particular situation as i prayed about it it was like no you need to be here for your parents right you know, and that's the flip side. So it's not like Jesus was saying, like, no, abandon your parents because, like you're saying, the, you know, in the Ten Commandments, right. we have that we're to honor them. Right. You know, so. So God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, honoring our parents is one of the best things we can do. Yeah. And we should take care of our parents in every single way. But that's not what this is about. No. This is about an excuse that sounds like a good reason. Yeah. And those never hold up in, 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 with the Lord, right? I mean, right. Uh, no, you come and you follow me. Uh, I think of the rich young ruler who, yes. uh, who said, hey, I'll, I'll, you know, I want to follow you. And he says, hey, no problem, but you, there's, there's something coming between us. Yeah. And uh, Jesus always gets to the heart of what's coming between us and, and between uh, us and God. And, and uh, here he zones, in, zone, zones right in on that. 
I find it interesting that um, Jesus doesn't make the idea of following him easy. Right. Um, he reveals that it is indeed difficult. Yeah. And I think 15 years ago or so in the church, there was this move to make it really easy to follow Jesus. It was the seeker-friendly right. movement. Yeah. And I don't know that we fully recovered from that yet, right? There's, uh, uh, there's this mindset by, you know, some even today that, you know, we can't say anything that's <laughs> right. too shocking or too... And, and Jesus just never did that. Yeah. Um, Gotta be PC. You can't, yeah. yeah. You, sugarcoating the gospel never makes disciples of no. Jesus. No. It just doesn't. Yeah. And, and it's a, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a calling that requires us to lay down our lives daily. And we're uh, frequently denying our flesh so that we can follow Christ. But it's the most rewarding life uh, yeah. and most fruitful Absolutely. life. So what about this last guy? Um, he comes and says, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid farewell um, to those who are in my house. And Jesus says to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Kind of an odd response to this guy's you know, request. Um, what's going on there? I think there is a, uh, a common thread woven through all of these, right? Yeah. And... Um, Anytime you say, hey, I'll follow you, but look at these words, but let me first. <laughs> right. Well, we're coming back to the Ten Commandments again. Mm -hmm. The very first commandment is you'll have nothing in front of me. Yeah. Right? You'll have no other gods before me. Right. I, I'm number one in your life. Yeah. And anytime that we say, hey, Lord, I'll follow you, but, well, then we've already, he's not Lord. Right? And Jesus will not take a second place position in our lives. Mm -hmm. He's either Lord of our life or we're not following him. Um, and so uh, same kind of thing. Jesus says, hey, no one putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of heaven. What's he saying? The plow. Well, the plow is you know, to till the soil, to break up the fallow ground, to, to plant the crops. The farmer would plant the crops so that uh, the 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 whole village could eat. And that's what this calling of Jesus is on our life. We're here to, uh, to teach and to make disciples and to build the kingdom so that people's lives are saved, right? Yeah. So they're nourished, so they're fed. And if you put your hand to the plow and you start looking back, uh, you're not gonna be, your eyes aren't on the prize. You're yeah. not going to be useful. You're not going to be uh, able to be used. Uh, uh, Paul would tell Timothy, um, no one engaged in warfare. This is in 2 Timothy chapter 2, I believe. Mm -hmm. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life so that he might please the one who enlisted him as a yeah. soldier. Yeah. And so we want to we want to be pleasing in our walk with the Lord, and and really be plowing the field, and not thinking about uh, you know the things of the world, so that we can serve the Lord. You know, back to that analogy in Timothy, uh, no one in, engaged in warfare entangles himself with the world. If, imagine a soldier in the trench, bullets whizzing over his head. 
he's down in the trench and the enemy's in front of him and he starts thinking, hmm, I wonder what color I should paint the house. <laughs> right. I wonder if I could get that new car. That's a dead soldier, man. Yeah. He's not focused right. on what's yeah. at hand. And uh, we see some different things here. Uh, number one, uh, you have to let go of the security things, the foxes mm -hmm. of the holes, the birds of the nest. Mm -hmm. We have to let go of the security thing. Um, number two, we've got to uh, put the, th the life behind us and go out and preach the kingdom of God. Uh, and number three, um, we can't be looking back, yeah. romanticizing that the old life was better or right. it was... I wish I still had that Yamaha dealership and still had made that money and all. No, 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 no one putting his hand to the plow and looking back is, is even fit for the kingdom of God. Yeah, there's a definite emphasis in this last phrase that I find very interesting on on being focused. And you know, if I was in track at one time, I know it's hard to believe now, but. Um, <laughs> Not at all. And uh, you know, when you're running, they always tell you, don't look back. Don't look, because what happens is you start, you know, you start going, um, you're not going straight anymore. You start to veer a little bit when you're looking over your shoulder, you know, it kind of pulls you. And, yeah. and the same thing, a guy that is plowing a field, he wants to plow a straight line, yeah. you know? If he's looking back all the time, his thing's gonna be, it's gonna be crooked, you know? And, and I think what Jesus is, is saying here also to us is that we need to be focused on whatever, he, it is that he's calling us to. And usually when Jesus is calling us to something, there's usually a leaving of one thing um, and going forward in another. You know, he asked Peter, James, and John, um, or Peter and Andrew and, uh, and his brother um, to leave their nets and come and follow him. He asked Matthew to leave his tax booth and come and follow him. And I'm sure there were times in the midst of all of that when it got difficult and those guys were tempted to like go, I'm gonna go back and go fishing. In fact, there's a time after the resurrection when Peter does just that. Or Matthew might have thought, man, I made some good bank, man. I made some good money being a tax collector. But it's the idea of the severing of the old and in anything, I think, in life that God is calling us to, if we're going to be all in to what he's calling us to, we've got to let go of what's behind us. We have to look at it from the standpoint of like, okay, that's over, you know, or this is something that Jesus is calling me out of. And it could be good things, you know, it could be something that was, uh, you know, a good thing in your life. It doesn't necessarily have to be a sinful thing, but if you're going to be focused on what Jesus wants you to, and I think it circles the circle, everything back around to that very first statement on the whole idea of comfort. Jesus Oftentimes, when he when he is calling us to something, as relates to following him, following him, it's not going to be comfortable, because part of the way that God molds us and shapes us, and that's the big picture here. You know, Romans eight twenty nine, God is seeking to conform us into the image of His own dear Son. So, He's going to be He's looking to prune away the parts of us that aren't like him for sure and, and so he puts us in these positions where we're uncomfortable because it makes us dependent upon him it shows us what's still in us that needs to go that needs to be removed and so i think in the midst of all of this jesus is moving these guys in that kind of you know each one of these guys in that direction like you said 
to count the cost and to realize that following him isn't always comfortable. Yeah, uh, these are uh, there's different there's difficult times when uh, when we're when we're following Christ. You know, there was the time the disciples were uh, with Jesus, and Jesus start, gave off a real hard teaching. You have to eat my blood and you know drink my blood and eat my flesh. And and the reason was people are following for the wrong reasons, yeah. right? And uh, they didn't really understand what he was really getting at, but uh, it was to thin out the, cl- the, the crowds and uh, the crowds that weren't following for the right reason. And Jesus then turns to the disciples and he says, hey, do you guys also want to leave? Yeah. And there were thoughts in them, I'm sure, that was yeah. like, kind of, you know? <laughs> uh, and he says, uh, you know, Peter stands up and says, well, Lord, where else will we go? Yeah. You, know, you, you are the words of eternal life. Yeah, you yeah. alone are the words of eternal life. Yes. Uh, That's so good. So uh, the temptation to look back is always there. Yeah. Um, you can't help but think of Lot's wife in this, right? Right. Being called out of wickedness yeah. into righteousness. Yeah. But the temptation to look back is there. And, and, and if you look back with longing, then you're not fit for the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. Amen. So good. Well, Dave, thanks so much for being with us today and being on the program and uh, tackling that hard saying of Jesus. So fun. Rob Meyer Ministry, I love that you stay faithful to the Word of God, that you're an expositor of it, and uh, just a blessing to be with you today. Amen. All right. Thank you for listening to Season 4 of the Basics of Life Conversations with Rob Salvato. This season has been on the hard sayings of Jesus, and we have a lot more content coming your way. If you'd like more Christ-centered content, you can go to goodlion.io at the Good Lion Podcast Network. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, we'd love to have you share it with a friend, give us a rating, or leave us a review. Stay tuned for more from the Basics of Life Conversations.